Greetings, friends, and welcome to the Gospel Underground Podcast. This is episode 21, Soccer Sucks, the glory of the World Cup and the glory of God. I'm broadcasting live, well, live for us from the Power of Change headquarters here in Blacksburg, Virginia. Well, I'm here with my co-host and friend, Jesse Fury. What's up, Reed? How you doing today? I'm doing well. I wore a very plain gray t-shirt today, so you could not clown me. No hats. No, no uh, hats. Tank tops. Nope. Yeah, I realized that I was being uh, ag- aggressive. My guys noted. love it. That's Love. probably their favorite part of the podcast. <laughs> the the mocking of the club. No, you look pretty uh, casually nice. Don't, don't and, pay uh, attention to my pants. You did show me the cool leather bag you were looking at that uh, would go with all that. Oh, so, yeah. You know, I'm excited for you to get that someday. Well, we are back. We are on new microphones. How's it feel? It it feels professional. It feels <laughs> great. We What are these? Uh, EV... You tell me what they are. Reed. Electro Voice EV twenties. Yeah, wow, they're, they're uh, ridiculous. But I you would make a good salesman on the uh, <laughs> when I like Sunday, something, Sunday, Sunday. When, uh, yeah, when I like something, I t- I typically like to hype mm. it up. You know, the mics we were using were fantastic, um, but these were always rated by the best of everybody I looked at. And friend, a friend that I met recently out in uh, Texas was talking about how these would be great, but I uh, just didn't feel the expense was justifiable. And then I got a little bonus all of a sudden. Mm. So I was like, Oh, we got to be in on that. So, yeah. yeah. Do you feel like you've become happier since you got them? <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I, I'm usually happier I'm, when I get new stuff. I, I was trying to love him who gave them kind of thing, you know? Oh with, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, um, it's been really fun. Yeah. Kind of, we, st- we started in August with the, this podcast and learning along the way, um, what kind of recording devices yeah. and microphones and everything has been certainly enjoyable, a little nerdy, but, uh, certainly, certainly rewarding. Well, I'm glad to have you here today. Yeah, it's good to be here, man. You know, I, uh, I walked into your kitchen today and saw, uh, more fruits and vegetables out of your garden than I, I mean, it, it, the size of the zu- your zucchinis <laughs> are just really impressive. Yeah, the the phrase "your zucchini" is kind mm. of an interesting one, and I'm I'm still the grown grown up child in my house that all of my family says you need to eat some broccoli, Dad. You don't ever eat any vegetables, Dad. Mm. So while Casey and uh, my oldest Kayla they were overseas for a this thing called the Ed- Educational Foundation, this little tour of English sites in England, basically UK. Um, Tommy and I, my son, were responsible for the garden, and we just forgot about it. And so I was like, oh, man, I think there's some stuff out there, you know. stuff." They grew giant. Stuff growing. Yeah, so we have these giant uh, squash and zucchini, and I've been quoting this uh, phrase from The Incredibles 2 with uh, Dash says, well, who are all vegetables? And, uh, yeah, that's kind of the way I'm feeling. But they're making ratatouille or something up there, you know, got the – Recipe of Remy's ratatouille. Yeah, they legit. Put, there's meat in ratatouille, right? I, I don't know if there's any meat in it. Oh, you know? read. Um, it's uh, not high end. Oh, you know, no. French food is, from what I hear, it's uh, you know, scrap it together, and mm. so. Well, you I, could you could scrap some meat in there. Yeah, I would r- think wrap it and bake it. I, bake I, it. I will because my son and my wife worked all afternoon making this. You stuff. will eat it. I'll, I'll have to You'll eat, eat it. it. So you know, I'm doing it. I have a friend on on uh, in New Jersey who's who takes pictures of her food on Instagram, and it just looks like uh, what is this garnish? What is this like rabbit food? And so she'll be proud. I'll send her pictures of vegetables or something. And so they I, actually go ahead. No, I was just going to say I, I went. I, speaking of food, uh, I went to I went to the dentist today. I don't like going to the dentist. I realized that. Well, I guess I've known that. Right. But today I I realized I really don't like going to the dentist. I went to the dentist and they took x-rays of my teeth 
And they, which every time they do that, I'm certain they're going to come back in and be like, you have 14 cavities. <laughs> right, right. Today, they, they told me I'm going to have to get one of my wisdom teeth pulled because it's broken. Because you're like 15. I have a broken tooth. wisdom tooth. Wow. It's not bothering me at all. And they were like, you should, we'll just go ahead and write, write, write you up this uh, ticket to have all four of them pulled. Well, I'll, I'll th- I have already, I've already had one pulled. All three of them pulled. So you're having surgery, basically, oral surgery. I, why, why are you going to make me have the other <laughs> ones pulled? They're fine. Yeah, well, yeah, hopefully they'll, they'll charge you for them and, and make lots of dentist money or something. Yeah, you know? I don't understand. Why would you pull perfectly fine teeth? Yeah, they're hiding. They're not hurting. Leave them alone. Well, yeah. you'll be able to chew on your vegetables for sure. That, yeah. <laughs> yep. Well, my, while, uh, while Tommy and Casey were making ratatouille, um, the World Cup was on. The World Cup has been on perpetually in my house. Yeah, that's soccer. Or yes, the World Cup of football, soccer. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's been on in our house and everywhere I've traveled recently on the radio. And we're kind of a soccer family. So, but before we get to talking about uh, whether soccer sucks or not, um, whether there's glory in the World Cup or not, and what is what does God have to do with it? I figure we do our first segment. Uh, today, ruts and butts uh, with a soccer theme. Ruts and butts here on the underground is a uh, a little segment that's based on a phrase from the book of Ecclesiastes, under the sun, which describes life here on planet Earth as if God wasn't real. And ruts stands for ridiculous things under the sun, and butts, of course, is beautiful things under the sun. So my, my ruts today, Jesse, is floppers and fakers, like Neymar. You got a lot of that in, the, in, in soccer. <laughs> yes. Yeah, Neymar. Yeah. I saw that he uh, he writhed around on the ground yeah. for quite yeah. some time the, against the, Mexico. The guy really stamped him really good. He, he It was really a, a cheeky little evil thing this guy did to him. But then afterwards, he, he just like, he acted like he got hit by a swarm of wasps or something. Now, like, Neymar's the same. He's the same guy who did the extra like nine barrel rolls the other day, right? Yeah, he's he's kind of got a diving technique that's like pretty high end. You know, people, people <laughs> we could talk about diving in soccer. You know, of course, I was a wrestler and, a, and an American football player, so this is one of the things that um, when I see it, uh, soccer, I want to throw stuff at a TV screen because I'm like, get up you're acting like you're hurt. You're, you know, in wrestling, you don't want your opponent to know you're yeah. hurt. You know, it's like, you're you're doing this in front of 50,000 people. You should be embarrassed is the way I feel for guys like that. So when we were, when we were growing up playing sports, I played a little bit of soccer, but in the other sports I played, whenever someone would get hurt, we had a, we had a way of asking them if they were really hurt. We'd say, bro, are you hurt or are you soccer hurt? <laughs> oh, and sometimes they would just pop back up because they were trying to, get a you know foul call or, or right. take a break and say ah, i'm just soccer hurt well i I've, I've certainly seen things on twitter from american football players that i'm friends with and everything everyone trying to make their soccer jokes in america um but it is ridiculous when those guys flop and fake like that and you know it say, doesn't bother me that much oh. anymore well the the thing is in the 2014 world cup i think it was in the the round of 16 uh the netherlands the dutch played the mexican uh, national team and this guy named Ian Robin, right? Uh, it's spelled E, and you say Ian, I believe. Uh, he completely invented the guy who sticks his foot out, doesn't touch him. He he like acts like he hit a tree log while he's on a hiking on the Appalachian Trail, dove for it in the air, and they won the game because of that. 
So, and they went all the way to the semifinals. And so, so it, I it, guess I have it, a problem with that. <laughs> it pays off. That's the problem. It, yeah. it pays off so well that the guys do it. But now they've got video assistant referees. You can actually go back and look at oh, that. Okay. So that, that, or the, the, the famous hand of God goal by uh, Diego Maradona from Argentina yep. against England. That would have been completely ruled off today because he clearly slapped the ball into the net. But floppers and fakers, ridiculous. Ridiculous. Under the sun. But also, Beautiful things under the uh, uh, sun. Uh, I also have to say Neymar. <laughs> yeah. Because what these guys can do with a football is quite amazing. And and since my, my wife, I met my wife, you know, we, she played soccer. So that's her, that's her story. So all my kids do. So we're constantly at soccer things. And so me being kind of this uh, goofy looking gorilla wrestler guy, I've actually tried to play soccer with my kids. And so, man, the stuff they do. It's absolutely amazing. That's right. Difficult and uh, in a good way. It's a beautiful. It is the beautiful game. It's the beautiful game. You know, there's um, there's really nothing that impresses me in sports as much as someone who's really skilled at soccer, like right. Neymar. That's right. Who's doing things that are just. And, and I think you're right. It's because I didn't. I'm not. I can't do it. Right. And and it's uh, you know to control a ball as a team. To, that's why people go crazy, right? When you score one goal, because it's actually really hard to do. To defend a soccer thing, you just got to be clumsy enough to smack the ball away from people and keep doing that. You can do that the whole game. You can almost get lucky and win a game. So ridiculous things in the soccer world. That was my when I played in in a murals in college. <laughs> was your all goal? I knew how to do was play defense. <laughs> Slap like, the just, ball away. You know, successful Jesse. Just stay around here, and when the ball comes, just kick it away. Make just kick sure. it as hard as you can in that direction make sure well our, our our topic today is soccer sucks question mark there's a question mark on that and looking at this phenomenon uh, known as the world cup uh, americans are you know i listen to a soccer podcast called the men and blazers it's an nbc uh, uh, production these two british guys expats i think they're both american citizens now but they say uh you know soccer is america's next national sport ever since 1972 the, the sport of the future for america since 1972 i think that's when they came over or something but um uh, apart from what we think is americans it is by far right by far the world's top sports nielsen sports is a, you know nielsen who does television rating stuff uh they they rated at 46 percent, which is probably close to Three, four billion people. Yeah, that's yeah. right. I was in preparation for this. I was trying to figure out what other sports are close, and cricket. I was shocked. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I saw cricket was was a, a couple billion, but I think basketball was second when it comes to like uh, um, global fan interest and, and interest. money, money. Yep. That's, but it's not even close. It's not even. Close. And like over half of the world's population is watching, paying for things with soccer. Oh, yeah. It's incredible. Yeah. And I think 20% of the worldwide population participates. They yeah. play. They actually play the game, which is just shocking. And so according to FIFA, um, you know, in terms of uh, competitive play, like on teams and things, the FIFA, the Fédération Internationale Football Association, one of the most corrupt organizations in the world, proven, I'm not just saying that, proven there's been convictions. I think the American FBI was taking down FIFA a few years ago. So, But they estimate that on teams, competitive teams, that 265 million people play uh, the game of soccer. And estimated maybe close to 24 million Americans play. And certainly youth soccer has been growing uh, along the way. So soccer, man, it's a, it's a phenomenon. It's growing in America. Uh, this is as recent as this earlier this year, 2018 Gallup did a poll that found 7%. Maybe that doesn't sound like a lot, but 7% of Americans named soccer as their favorite sport to watch. 
in a survey completed in December 2017. And so that was a three percentage point jump, right, uh, in four years, which is significant. Now, it's not it's it's on its way to be the being the third highest watched sport in a few years, probably in America behind football, American over football, baseball, over baseball, probably going to probably going to jump baseball, leapfrog Fo- baseball. Football, NFL kind of stuff, college football, 37%. Um, people love to watch that. Basketball, 11%. And that's down from 12. Baseball, down from 13 to 9. With soccer, right, chomping at the baseball. You know, the American pastime. Yeah. Some people are like, that's communism that soccer is going to pass <laughs> baseball. Um, but it is. It is coming, man. And, and, and as a global phenomenon in terms of money, interest, passion, um, devotion, even you might say it is just uh, astronomically successful. Uh, just uh, th- recently, a couple days ago, a guy named Leo Robson uh, wrote in the New Yorker magazine uh, an article called Goal Oriented and online, they have an uh, online audio version of this called How Americans, How We Watch Soccer Now. And his article is basically about how many Americans, they don't have this, hey, my four generations of my family all supported Millwall Football Club or Arsenal Football Club or something like that. And the Americans kind of can be more neutral and enjoy it all. So soccer itself, rather than the localized club, kind of are on the rise. But mm. some of the statistics that uh, Robson cites in this New Yorker magazine piece was like, the, they're shocking. The, the leading European leagues, that's England, France, Germany, Spain, Italy, uh, generated $18 billion. That's a lot of money. Yeah, 2016-17 season. That was a 9% uh, increase. And Manchester United Football Club, which is a club I support, uh, recently posted a record annual revenue. It's $800 million for one club, publicly traded, I believe, on the New York Stock Exchange. How did you decide to... To you support know, Man U. The way it happened was really weird because I learned after the fact that I basically started supporting the New the, York the Yankees. Yankees. Yeah, I, I was yeah. going to ask you, is yeah, that just like yeah, choosing the yeah, Yankees? Yeah, I'll save that. We're going to have a little testimonial okay. time here. I'll save that story because uh, there is a responsible party in this uh, decision, and it, and it is not me. Um, te- television broadcast rights. I think uh, NBC just paid a billion dollars to have uh, the English Premier League on uh, their broadcasting network, uh, NBC Sports Network, till 2020-2021 season. A billion dollars. Um, Cristiano Ronaldo, CR7, love him or hate him, uh, has the second largest Instagram follower behind Selena Gomez. Wait, is that true? <laughs> Apparently it's true. Number like, one that... Selena Gomez is number one. Apparently true. Uh, and Ronaldo is number two. This is hmm. according to Leo Robson in The New Yorker. Now, in, in CR7, Ronaldo is also the most highly paid sports star in the world, uh, just ahead of like people like LeBron James, newly crowned King James of the L.A. Lakers, and uh, the Swiss uh, tennis star Roger Federer, who's been just a, a wonderful athlete at the top of his game for a long, long time. So... World Cup, everybody's talking about it. People are watching soccer. Um, so I figured we'd just share a little bit of our own uh, personal testimonies, if you will, related to uh, to the beautiful game. Oh, boy. <laughs> I, I've got a very short personal testimony. <laughs> I, I played as a kid, and uh, all, I re- all I remember is running. How long did you play? Like, like five, three years. Five yeah. to eight, something like that? Yes, maybe six to nine, seven to ten, something like that. Uh all I remember is running, and then I got into baseball, and I was like, I don't have to run as much. I can kind of stand around. 90 feet from yeah. one base to another. And uh, and and then basketball. And, and then 
I never played soccer again or watched it really f- until I was in college. In college, I um, I I worked at the athletic department and I'd run the sidelines. Like I'd be the ball fetcher up and down the sidelines. And so I began to actually was watch. Was that for the men's team or the women's team? For the for both. Both. Okay. Yeah, the men were nicer than the women. <laughs> they were. Oh yeah. They're probably thinking everybody's there to hit on them or something. What did Jesse know. guy want to do? I don't know. I I I, don't, I might have been at the time, but uh, and then I played intramurals, and uh, I was I thought I was in the best shape of my life. I've been playing basketball like I mean, skipping class after class to play basketball. Not a good education plan, but I was I got to where I was pretty pretty good, for the, pretty good shape. Good for your game. And good for the yeah. And I remember going out the first our first day. We put together a basket or a, a soccer team of guys that played basketball together. And uh, we we just I mean we just got anticipating, destroyed. Anticipating oh. dominance. Well, but. we just thought, hey, we're all athletic, we're in good shape. Like, but these guys who had been just drinking since they came to college, but they played high school soccer, would just destroy us. Like nine zero, ten zero, and I I will never forget the first time I ran up and down the entire field. I I chased. Like I got the ball and I didn't know what to do, so I just started kicking it ahead of me and running. And I sprinted as fast as I could, got all the way to the other side of the field, uh, passed it, and then that they got it and went all the way back. And I'm on defense and I'm sprinting <laughs> as fast as I can back down the field, and they score. And then I sit, I raise my hand for a sub. It was like, like one time up and down. I'm, the, I'm the permanently field. done with. Soccer. I'm done. <laughs> uh, so then I just stayed in my space and tried to kick the ball away when it came near me. Yeah, when you're doing things like inter- intramural soccer or pick up pick up soccer somewhere, you got to be careful who you play against. You yeah, know, I like to play pick up now. So yeah. I, so every now and then, if I get invited into a game, I'll play. But I know my I know my role. Right. right. I just get in the way. <laughs> try not to let someone uh what's it called when they kick it through your legs yeah meg you meg you nutmeg yeah. yeah try not to let anybody do that and uh just kick it to my teammates when i get it i do enjoy watching now so i'll i'll, I'll get my my little kids on and and we'll watch sometimes and uh you know when they were beginning to get as a matter of fact your wife and, and daughters did a little week uh soccer camp for my kids and last summer last summer and yeah. they loved it and leading up to it I got them excited by showing them uh, messy highlights you, on YouTube. YouTube. Clips, yeah. yeah, love it, love it. Well, that's it, man. Yeah. That's my testimony. Do you, do you, do you, so you like it now? You like? Watching, I like it. Yeah, yeah. like yeah. I used to think. How can you like a game that ends ends in a zero zero yeah, draw right, or right. two? You know, two to nothing. And but it's really fun to watch. Yeah, right before Jesse, you got here. I, I, I mentioned to you already that our family is watching. Uh, the Belgian national team, which is our who, kind of who we're pulling for as a family, and they were down two two zero two, just an amazing, feisty, tough Japan side, and they came back and won three two. So they were like reveling and glorying, running around the house screaming. It was uh, quite quite the, That's the moment. Yeah, I think I think my uh, my soccer testimony is almost a confession, is the way it feels, and um, because I grew up absolutely hating the sport of of soccer. I, in fact, I played when I was five years old. And I had this Marine Corps guy uh, named Rocky who was my coach. And he literally said, hey, you should wrestle. And I was like, oh, wrestling, that's stupid. So I quit that. Quit playing soccer, didn't wrestle at the time, and, and just played football, American football, and then baseball. And kind of you know started wrestling late for a wrestler, like about 12 years old. And I, that's what I remember most about soccer. I was like, oh, I should have listened to my soccer coach and wrestled when I was five. 
So I hated it, and I didn't get any help. You know, my father uh, quite literally told me that soccer was for communists and uh, sissy boy kind of thing. You know, it was kind of very low uh, view of it in my in my family, and so I did not like soccer or soccer players. And then I went off on a wrestling scholarship uh, to the University of North Carolina Chapel Hill, where our women's soccer team was one of the best college athletic programs in the history of any sport kind of thing. I mean, Mia Hamm was in my political science recitation. She was like on, you know, signed with Nike and on big time and they were killing everybody. So I was like, oh man, I hate soccer, but I like women's soccer. And so I kind of evolved forward a little bit. And then uh, we were assigned after, after college, Casey and I went on staff with a group called Athletes in Action. And we were assigned to the University of Kentucky that had uh, women's soccer, but didn't have wrestling. I was like, what teams am I going to work with here? And so I got assigned by my campus director, a guy training me to the men's soccer team who had this red faced English British coach. who was crazy, but he let me talk to the guys and all these guys like gave their life to Christ in a semester. And so I'm like, wow. I'm, I'm working with all like these 12 soccer players. My wife's cooking food for them every Monday night. And so I was like, Oh, I guess I got to go to their games. And because I knew them, you know, I was like, oh, I'm going to watch this guy play defense and this guy do his thing. And I started to slowly, I guess it started to creep up on me. And then in the year 2000, we took a group of athletes to Europe. We were in the Czech Republic. And I tell you what, man, they, this one little town, they, it was, um, I think during the Euro European championships, Euro 2000, this little town absolutely shut down the whole town square, put up this old school jumbotron massive television you know with pixels probably as big as your fist and everybody's just cranking beer it's the checks man they drink more beer than anybody in the world per capita and it was the most fun sports environment that i'd ever seen it was just so fun and they all knew what was happening and the intensity of it and because there's no scoring when people do score it just goes nuts and i was like wow this there may be something to this and so over time I started to uh, tolerate maybe soccer a little bit. And then finally, you know, you have your kids and all my kids have been playing since they're four or five years old and I'm constantly at soccer games. So now I think I know tactics and I know formations and I, uh, but a few years ago, a friend said, Hey, you're talking about how much you like soccer. You, you, you might, you might as well get into watching the, the English premier league. NBC has great coverage. And so at the time I had four friends, okay. That, that began to, uh, not quite like recruiting LeBron James, uh, but to recruit me, <laughs> the, decision, yeah, the decision, the decision 2014, who will read choose? It was, it was, it was kind of like that. And I think it was 2014, um, might've been 15, but, um, yeah, it was 14. And uh, one guy, uh, Acts 29 pastor in Virginia Beach, was a Chelsea guy. So he was emailing me that I should, you know, we're owned by a Russian mob baron or oil baron or something. We should, and we're good. And another guy who was an Arsenal fan in London, team in London, uh, one of my really good friends in New Jersey, who's actually an Irishman. He's an you know, Irish immigrant, grew up in Ireland his whole life. He was a Liverpool fan, like most Irish people. And then uh, my good friend Brent Malcolm was a Manchester United fan. And so they all wrote these emails about why and copy all and stuff. It was kind of a big fun thing for about that's, a week. That and sounds so like fun. I actually didn't do any research. I didn't I didn't look into who the teams were. It just was kind of fun. And I figured you pick a team, you start watching. Well, I didn't realize how like intense and religious this stuff was. And so it came down to, we were talking to a family about what who we wanted to cheer for. And in 2014, the German national team won the World Cup. And there was a guy named Bastian Schweinsteiger. 
And we were constantly running around our house screaming. Literally, I'm not going to scream in the mic, but Schweinsteiger uh, during the World Cup, you know, this kind of obnoxious German accent kind of stuff. And and he just got bought by Manchester United Football Club. So we're like, well, we got to we got to go that there way because of Bastian Schweinsteiger. And and then, of course, yeah, I told my Irish friend by saying, come on, you Reds. Well, Liverpool are red, too. And he thought I meant I was going Liverpool and I wasn't. And he was really he was actually really upset with me, disappointed. And uh, kind of could see it in his face. But so we picked Man United. Then I learned that it is like the New York Yankees of English Premier Soccer because we are the best. And so people don't like the best. <laughs> and, and so, yeah, so human spectacle of soccer. Now, I, I, I hate to admit, I don't even watch this, this past fall. I didn't even watch college football. I got friends judge me hearing that. I, I watch all the games. We watch, My son and I, we know the English League. We know the French League. We know the Italian you, League. You've done like an entire 180 on this then. Yeah, yeah. And, and so I, when, I, when I speak at college retreats, I, I talk about the conversion of becoming a Christian where you take on holiness and the fear of the Lord, kind of 1 Peter 2, as kind of new ways of talking, new mm-hmm. ways of being. And I kind of share my soccer testimony. And I show my baptism where my buddy gave me a kit, which I called a jersey, but he properly told me it was a kid so this shirt adidas shirt and then i showed where i went on pilgrimage we're actually in uh april 2016 went to old trafford the theater of dreams where manchester united plays and i watched uh my team beat my son's everton football club uh one nil with a goal by anthony martial which the british called tony he's french so you so you, so this sounds like a very ritualistic kind of thing, which is the way we're wired. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and and but I'm really curious as to how you chose Man United, and then your son did not follow suit. You know, he did for a little bit, and there the the, uh, the team that's in blue, Everton. They're kind of like a mid table. There's 20 teams in the English league, and they're around 10th to seventh. If they have a great year, they might get sixth. Um, and they had this Belgian striker named Romelu Lukaku who became both of our favorite player. And so he, he started really liking them because he liked that Belgian guy. He scored a lot of goals. He was strong, tough, all that stuff. And so the beauty of, of football, especially in England, last year, uh, Manchester United Football Club bought from Everton Football Club, Romelu Lukaku. Oh. So, uh, so is Tommy coming around? Yeah, he kind of felt like he does today because he's a Cavaliers fan and, and Ouch. Le- LeBron James going to the Lakers. Is he going to stay a Cavs fan? He is. I asked him that. He is. He's a Cavs fan. And now he's just a Big, sad one because yeah. it's going to be terrible. So soccer, man, I, I, I've actually, the last, the last verse in first John, uh, chapter five is like little children, keep yourself from idols. That's right. And so I confess, man, I love, I love soccer now and I have to really watch it in my soul. You know, you know, I was just thinking about that on the drive over here, uh, because, uh, Zlatan, did you see how he greeted LeBron? Zlatan Ibrahimovic? Yeah. Yeah, Zlatan is one of the top three uh, active soccer players at the end of his career. Swedish. That's right. Amazing, and, and over 400 goals. He welcomed LeBron to L.A. by saying uh, uh, something along the lines of, L.A. now has a god and a king. <laughs> king James. Welcome to L.A. Welcome, yeah. Yeah. So I was like, "This does he know what he's saying? Is that like a translation problem? He knows what he's saying. Yeah, he yeah. calls himself God. Well, that comes from when he uh, decided to, at the end of his career, go to Manchester United from Paris Saint-Germain uh, in Paris. And there was a guy that they used to call King Cantona, who was this Frenchman who was really good at United. 
And so because they already had a king, he there had to be something above that. So he said, I'll go there and be a god. Well, you know. Okay. Good, yeah. Good transition for us, perhaps, to... Uh, yeah, I just thought, man, that is like out there. As yeah. a matter of fact, I remember now that when he when he was moving to L.A., this that was this year, right? That's right. This yeah, is this year. He uh, he announced it in part with that with that picture of him as Jesus arm wrestling the devil. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, and so I just thought, man, this is yeah. uh, part of it's a caricature. It's a sure. it's a campaign. He he kind of has this shtick he does. I don't think he actually thinks he's God, but if he heard me say that, he'd say, yes, I do. Um, but yeah, he of course when he went to LA Galaxy, he scores two goals in his first game, yeah. and they win the game against their rivals. It was just too ridiculous. It's that kind of he's got a, a huge ego. Well, when you think about human spectacle, that's what we're looking at. Uh, when when over the half the world is into something, when the amount of money that is both made by FIFA, smuggled, stole, embezzled by FIFA, uh, made by all kinds of people, athletes being paid millions of dollars, hundreds of thousands of dollars per week, right? It's absurd. It's absurd am- amount of money. You're looking at something of a massive uh, influence on human communities. And so it reminds me uh, of the ancient world where... Um, one of the leaders in the early Christian movement, uh, Saul of Tarsus became Paul, uh, Paul the Apostle, St. Paul, if you're up Catholic. Um, he was in the ancient city of Athens observing similar human spectacles. You know, glorious cities, you always have things on display that show the heart and love of a people. And this is out of the book of Acts, chapter 17. I don't know go, if you could read that for us, Jesse, that uh, verse 16 through 23. I can, yeah. Now, while Paul was waiting for them at Athens... His spirit was provoked within him as he saw the city was full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and the devout persons and in the marketplace every day with those who happened to be there. Some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers also conversed with him and some said, what does this babbler wish to say? Others said he seems to be a preacher of foreign divinities because he was preaching Jesus and the resurrection. And they took him and they brought him to the Areopagus saying, may we know what this new teaching is that you're presenting. For you bring some strange things to our ears. We wish to know, therefore, what these things mean. Now all the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there would spend their time in nothing except telling or hearing something new. So Paul, standing in the midst of the Areopagus, said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are very religious. For as I passed along and observed the objects of your worship, I found also an altar with this inscription, To the unknown God. What therefore you worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you. That's right. And I'm sure he was not referring to Zlatan, the unknown God. But here the interesting thing is is that Paul, he's waiting for some friends, right? Uh, He's going from one city. He's waiting in Athens for his friends to arrive. And it says his spirit was provoked within him because he saw the city was full of idols. I mean, visual manifestations or representations of certain religious devotion of the Greeks uh, in his day. And so... Uh, one of the things that he was doing was observing, observing the the objects of their worship. And when you think about it, in the modern world, we see multi-million dollar stadiums, cathedrals. Um, I remember standing at the top of the Virginia Tech American football stadium with my kids talking about uh, the objects of our cultural worship because that place will be filled with close to 70,000 people going nuts for some little boys running around uh, with, a, with a ball. TV rights, a billion dollars, right? We're seeing in our own culture artifacts, uh, stadiums, superstars, icons, a guy saying he's a god, money everywhere. 
it's very easy for us to observe objects of worship. And so my question is, what are people after, you know, with this soccer mm. craze? What are they after with football? What do, what do they get from it, man? Any thoughts? Yeah, one thing one thing that comes to mind is is that it's it's uh impossible to resist. Right? So it's it's possible for me personally to resist going to Lane Stadium, that's Virginia Tech's football field, uh it, or it may be possible for me not to worship Zlatan. Right. Uh but but my point is that we I think we're made in a certain way. I think God programmed us so that we would be constantly in search of something to worship. Uh you know, I uh Augustine described us as, it's that St. Augustine, he, who, uh, ancient African philosopher, theologian, described people as being bent forward. In other words, uh, God made us to, to be led by our hearts in a sense. We, we want to find some object and then we want to devote ourselves to it. What's more is I think we're also made uh, to be communal, to be relational. And so there's a sense of, of I, a corporate identity that happens right. when, we're, when we're cheering and we're you know, when you think about what happens at a, at a, at a football stadium, you know, everybody at this, at the right cues, they're singing the same right, songs right, together. They're right. lifting their hands in worship at the right, right time. They're celebrating. There's a belonging. There's even happening. a sense of, of lament together. You, you don't, <laughs> people don't lament together except they do with sports. Right. And so, uh, so I think there's a sense of, of corporate identity, of belonging, even personal identity. I have some sense of meaning with based on who I love and, and support. Yeah, so, yeah, even, even some of the modern brand marketing and brand identification taps into this human uh, idea that we all want to belong to something. Say, hey, you know, it's goofy to walk into a coffee shop and see everybody has the same computer, but there's, there's a brand called Apple that people have identified with, with certain values, with certain loves, with certain belongings, with what you think of yourself and other people who might not use yeah. Android phones or something like that. And certainly we see that with soccer people. They don't call them fans in England. They call them supporters. What, yeah. cl- what club do you support? Yep. Uh, and they do know the songs with each other. They they know the colors. Um, they they make fun of Americans who don't understand these things, and they try to come participate in it. Um, there's a victory narrative. There's a defeat, like you said. There's a lament narrative there. Um, and I do think there's a vicarious glory where we want to participate yeah. in the glory of something bigger than ourselves that we're not even doing. Yeah, they're representatives, and, and we all want a representative hero that we can really kind of identify with and put ourselves in his place or her place. Yeah. And, and they, and yeah. they give us that. Yeah. When, when, and por- it's fun Portuguese people when we win. watching. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's I'm a Redskins fan and, as far as, you know, American football. Kind of like being an Everton fan, isn't it? It kind of almost good. I don't it used know. To be good. Oh yes. Yeah. So 10th out of 20. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's on a good year for yeah. us. <laughs> Uh, we don't get the vicarious, uh, yeah. the vicarious victories. We just, yeah. we just, we, but we do get the corporate lament. Yeah. Yeah. Or Portuguese people seeing Ronaldo score a hat trick against Spain. It it, it does something for yeah. corporate, their corporate view. I was in, I was in London in 2004 and, uh, it was during the, uh, the Euro, the Euro cup. The, what is that called? What, am I getting that right? Yeah. The European championships. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Euro 2004. And yeah. France and England were playing and it was, uh, I, I remember we were, we walked about a mile to a friend, a friend of ours had an apartment and, or was staying at a hotel in the city. And we walked maybe three quarters of a mile to get there. And, uh, 
on the way there, we, we walked about halfway through the first half and there was, it was like a dead city because wow. everybody is, is, is watching, yeah. you know, yeah. England and, uh, and England had a good team. This is, uh, this is Rooney when he was young. This is yeah. Beckham. I think that might've been when Rooney burst on the scene. It was, and was like yeah. scoring goals and yep. running over people and pushing them around. And so we walked over to our friend's house to watch watched the match and and uh and england was winning one to nothing they had a chance beckham had a chance to to score to send him up two to nothing and Uh, missed and then uh who was the guy the french guy um thierry henry no zinedine zidane Zidane, yeah yeah, so zidane scored back-to-back goals in the really at the end of the game so it was this (laughs) shocking like all the air went out of the stadium and uh, and so then we we were like, oh, that stinks. Yeah, England lost. And then we got, we got out of the hotel to walk back, and there was a riot. Right, it was insane. Like right. it was, people were it was things, there was a there was a car that things. drove by with a France flag, and oh. people were picking up whatever they could find to, to throw, throw at, at the car. Oh, yeah, we yeah. I mean we just kind of put our heads down and just hustled back. And it, but it, it gave you the sense of this is this is identity. This yeah. is like we we live and die with this team. Yeah, it's a it's a good thing to get outside of America because we do have our own sports. We invented basketball with a peach basket and. Football is derivative from soccer way back, but um, but we have our own sports, and so we don't see uh, the importance of this game. That others, I was in Latin America in 1998 with a wrestling team, and we were in Guatemala and Nicaragua, and our bus driver was supposed to pick up us at, uh, up at a certain time, and I think it was like when like somebody really good in Latin America was playing Mexico, Brazil or something like that. And, uh, we sat on the curb for two hours and the guy just didn't show up <laughs> and he got there and, uh, he's like, Oh, I thought it was at this time. And, and, and our host, the Guatemalan brother, he's like, no, you were watching the game. We're, we're okay. We were all right. But yeah, it's, it's this huge identity yeah. and huge vicarious, uh, relationship with it, with a, with an idea of a sports team or country. And uh, we we maybe don't experience that as much with soccer, but we certainly do with you know your favorite NBA team or your favorite college sports team. People get a little bit crazy. Well, the question is that I have for us to close on is like obviously with people like Ronaldo or Messi or Zlatan, there's human glory involved. Somebody does something with a ball that's amazing, and people all celebrate. Uh, they are glorifying. Uh, something there is this human glory is that is that distracting from uh, what we're made for the worship of god is it is it is it blasphemous can it be helpful help help us here with with this because it's like should i I'm should sp- i watch I'm supposed this to help you should i watch this <laughs> should i watch england play uh columbia tomorrow uh, i will um sure i mean i would say it could be good it could be bad right uh you know People are really excellent at something that is that's good, can be true, can be beautiful, really extremely beautiful. And to be good at something like that uh, isn't that's that has nothing to do with whether or not that person is being is is being a glory hound seeking their own glory, right? Or sucking it all in a glory yeah. vacuum. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, uh, just being good at something and and then watching and participating and enjoying that is. I think that's a good thing. Yeah. Maybe even a part of creation. Sure. And certainly creations that are said to be in the image and likeness of God. Yeah. Like there's, I think, why why not have soccer in the new heavens and the new earth? Yeah. Yeah. With restored bodies. Right, right. I'll be able to yeah. dribble a soccer ball and Jesus not fall can't over be myself. Jesus can't be the other team's goalie. Though, yeah. Right? Well, <laughs> you know, that's, that's right. Uh, you know, 
why not? I mean, I mean, I think that we won't have the 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 faking, the rolling around, and doing the nineteen barrel rolls, and and when the uh, kingdom arrives in glory, Neymar will play clean. Uh, he'll play clean. Uh, he'll play true and beautiful and right yeah. and good. Yeah, yeah, and and, and people won't. Um, the people won't suck the glory out yeah, out of it yeah. for themselves. They'll reflect it back to God. Yeah. So, I, so I would say, I mean, the 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 spectacle of sport can be really beautiful and good and true and uh, something to be enjoyed. A way in which we can enjoy God. A way in which we can learn about God. But it also, I do have a hard time like imagining someone getting to that level, the professional level, without being really tempted to be egotistical yeah, self-centered yeah. selfish yeah. i mean because they you, don't pass the ball you you you've habituated yeah. practices of of uh being the best at something and i'm not saying it's impossible you could i'm sure there are professional athletes that are more humble than me right right um, but it helps to be humble that i'm not that great at anything <laughs> right. and no one's telling me you're the best right and those guys get that all the time i imagine that would be really difficult yeah one of the major issues, and it happens both within the career of an athlete, high-level athlete, and at the end of the career, um, is precisely this learning to play with a motivation of not glorifying self, but glorifying God. Because there are, there are high-level, uh, deeply committed Christians, a lot of them on the Brazilian national team, apparently. Hmm. Um, Radamel Falcao, the striker for Colombia, is a very outspoken follower of Jesus, apparently. Um, that within that world, how do you motivate yourself to high, high excellence? And then how do you not engage in self-glorification with 50,000 people screaming and singing a song they made up about you? Yeah. Right? It's, uh, and I then, don't know. If yeah. seven people tell me I preached a good sermon, <laughs> yeah, I walked right, home going, I'm right, the best. Right. So I, I, if, I, I yeah. If, if we get up to 25 five-star reviews on iTunes on the Gospel <laughs> Underground, I think it could make my day. Um, but yeah, that's a very challenging thing for the yeah. Christian athlete because glory is inappropriately ascribed to uh, man, to these women and men who play a game. And that's a problem. When your career ends, all of that disappears. Uh, they don't care about you anymore. You're not in the spotlight. You're, you know, Wayne Rooney, you mentioned him in 2004, stepping on the World Cup scene. Now he's, you know, getting transferred to the MLS, to DC United. DC United! We, we, we could go see a game. We could go we'll see We'll go a game. see Wayne Rooney stumble around in his 30s after playing the highest level since he was 16. It's going to be hard for him as a human being uh, to let it go yeah. um, and to find his identity somewhere else. Um so there's problems with this glorification of man in sports. And there's beauty in the the beauty of the image of God exercising the faculties and gifts God has given. And so, you know, when the stadium erupts, it's almost like that praise only can go so high uh, because everything about uh, our God is much more glorious than yeah. the, the smartest person we see, the best athlete we see, the, the most glorious version of a woman or man that we see. And that's why we read in Psalm 29, ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings, almost like telling the angels, right? Ascribe to the Lord the glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory, do his name. It's He's do it. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Um, Zlatan Ibrahimovic does not deserve human worship, yeah. uh, but the creator of all things does. The one who became man. I made a joke about Jesus playing goalie because he'd be amazing. Because he was uh, amazing at all things human. You think he'd let you score though? Yeah, to love me, he might. He might. Yeah. He might. <laughs> like like a. Dad. That was a great shot, Reed. Like, I just oh, couldn't quite job, get to it. <laughs> man, you're just such a good soccer player. You're terrible. Um, yeah, like a good dad, he probably teaches how to lose well too. Yeah. 
First Corinthians 10 says, if I partake with thankfulness. Now this is about, you know, what mo- you eat. motivations about what we're eating or mm-hmm. not in, in some religious things going on yeah. in the ancient world. But he's saying, if I partake, I engage with this. And I think we can apply this to soccer or American college football. If you're an Alabama fan, if I partake with thankfulness, uh, why am I denounced because of that, which for I give thanks. So, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. And so participation in the World Cup, you know, I, I do know when I get too depressed about the outcome of sports games, there's something twisted happening in my soul. And I don't say that in a trite way. I, I really mean that. Yeah. And I do know when I, uh, you know, a little too happy because of a certain team, be that football or soccer, the real football, or or these microphones, whatever it might be, I do know there's something twisted that can happen in my soul. And so we get we keep watch, as first John says, we keep ourselves from idol and we give thanks for things rather than worshiping them. Um, it's like the guy you mentioned earlier, St. Augustine said, you know, we, we would think low of someone who, uh, if a guy gave an engagement ring to his girlfriend and she says, Ooh, I love this ring. Now go away. I have no use for you. Right. Yep. Um, that we can rejoice in the gift only properly when we give thanks to the giver. Amen. Um, and Augustine would say, Hey, she, she loves the one who gives the ring rather than the ring itself. And we can love the one who gives us things for our enjoyment and our good and allows us to participate in them, whatever they might be playing a violin, you know, digging a ditch, uh, playing soccer, whatever it might be. Amen. Yeah. I, I, I totally agree. And I hope that God doesn't have me dig any ditches. I want to make shoes in the kingdom of heaven because there won't be, be any cobbler. responsibility. Yeah, just make some shoes, do something over and over again well. Uh, it won't have to be responsible for for people or anything. That that's gonna be that's gonna be my job. <laughs> Read the cobbler, <laughs> shoemaker, um, reinvent Velcro or something. Well. <laughs> Closing up today. You uh, think we'll all have forgotten about Velcro? Yeah, I don't know. It's pretty glorious, man. <laughs> invented for spaceships and ended up on kids' shoes, man. That is a good thing yeah. from God. Well, closing up, um, just in case, there might be a few of you who made it to the end here and still hate soccer, or or maybe I've converted you to say, hey, maybe I need to give this soccer thing a b- little bit of a try. Our review-ish segment uh, today, it's not a review, it's just review-ish, it's ish, because ish, we didn't do too much research on these reviews that we do. There are some wonderful soccer podcasts and shows that I'll just brief, briefly mention, and these are very visible, very uh, available. They're not the uh, soccer underground or anything like that. Um, but I do love them and listen to them often. First one is the Men in Blazers podcast. They also have a 30-minute NBC Sports uh, Network show. The two British guys I mentioned, Raj Bennett and Davo. I forget Dave, Dave Dave's last name. But uh, Raj and Davo, Men in Blazers, fantastic. Funny, smart, winsome, and they'll keep you up with the English Premier League. ESPN FC, football club, they're okay. Um, and if you happen to have satellite radio, uh, Sirius XM, the football show is okay. But the best show on, on that network is called Grumpy Pundits a former uh, British player who also played for the Tampa Bay Rowdies, Rodney Marsh, and then this Irish brother uh, named Tommy. I don't know his last name, but these guys are awesome. They're cranky. They they don't they gong people if they call in with some stupid mess. They're just awesome. Grumpy Pundits, if you can find that online. And then, of course, if you choose a team, 
maybe Everton Football Club or the Wolverhampton Wanderers, the Wolves, who just got promoted from the second division into the Premier League this year. Usually there's some team-oriented podcasting that goes on. And so for me, that's the Manchester United Redcast done by these journalists and actors and things from England that are just funny. So I love the Redcast. Anything else you got uh, for the soccer world? Oh, Jesse? no, I've got nothing else. Did but I convert I, you? I, you've actually converted me to check out Men and Blazers. Oh, good. Uh, good. So, I'm, yeah, because I'm interested. The I'm Men and Blazers. Yeah, Men and Blazers. Podcast. Not quite as good as our crap, but their crap is pretty good. Five-star reviews on iTunes are acceptable. Get us up to 25 and make us feel good about ourselves. Our, our listening numbers are growing, and so are reviews. I think we're at 13, Jesse. All right. We're, almost, we're, the, we're hey, over we, halfway we're, there. We are 25. on our way. The Gospel Underground. Ground is a joint production of Power of Change at the Bonhoeffer House. Send your comments, feedback, your your heckling of Manchester United to info at gospelunderground.org. We are dialogue taking place on the borderlands between the church and culture and arenas and football stadiums. And we're here to chop it up. All right, guys, signing out. Peace. Peace.